0: You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 152. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your every day. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. I'm so excited to check in with you this week. Today's episode is sponsored by Betabrand.com. Beta Brand's like a Kickstarter for fashion, so you can submit clothing ideas and get crowdfunding and see your designs come to life all without having to deal with the hassle of dealing with the manufacturing yourself. At the end of the show, we'll be speaking with Beta Brand Think Tank Director Liz Rossoff about the company. Now let's move on to today's message. This is all about feeling pretty disoriented and having the ego say, Hey Jess, I want the answers. I want to know what's going to happen this fall right now, even though the intuition's not giving me that information. So I was back in Lisbon after a week in Barcelona. So I've pretty much spent two weeks now of the trip that's been about seven or eight weeks total in Portugal through Porto or Lisbon. I fell in love with Lisbon right away and started to realize that I think I might be able to live there. I might love that experience and that quality of life and all of those sorts of things. That may be something I might want to experience. And when I was back for the second time, I was recognizing, or at least my ego was thinking, hey, Jess, you're back in town. You can start making those friendships with people that you'll be, you know, learning to hang out with more in the fall. You can start looking into apartments and visas and all those sorts of things. But though that seems like the logical or planning-oriented way of approaching things, my intuition was not telling me to actually start taking those steps. So there was kind of this weird feeling of disorientation I've been in Portugal or in Europe now for almost two months now total, so I've gotten really used to the traveling lifestyle and the European lifestyle in some ways. Obviously, I'm not doing a day-to-day job like people here that are doing their day-to-day routine. I am traveling, but I've started to learn the ways that people live and function here in Europe, and I've been feeling super weird, kind of turned around, or like I, I described it to a friend like I've been... I don't know if you guys remember that like game when you're little and they twirl you around and then they open your eyes like your eyes are closed as they're twirling you. And then I think you have to like hit a ball and then run to the next base. I forget the game that that is, but I kind of feel like I've been twisted and turned. I've been rotated around a bunch and I'm a little dizzy and disoriented. That's how it felt last week. And I don't feel like the U.S. and the things that I'm consuming and seeing from the U.S. through social media and through news and that sort of stuff is really resonating as strongly as it used to my whole life when I was living there. And also here, there was this honeymoon period of embracing all things that are Portugal and Lisbon, all things that are European, and then having to really kind of settle into somewhat of a more routine and really get to know the cultures I was recognizing I've now gotten used to the fact that I will be in many places where I have no idea what's being said around me. And it doesn't even phase me anymore for people to be speaking, for example, in Portuguese and listening to them go on. I just kind of sit there and wait for them to be done. And then we'll speak in English when I need to be speaking in those types of situations. And I've just realized that this is a totally different world. And Living in it more than just traveling in it or the idea of living in it more than just traveling in it is also feeling kind of not like a fit. And I mentioned this in an Instagram message recently, and it was fascinating because Jen Lara of Upcycled Education on Instagram mentioned that there is this thing called the U-curve Hypothesis this curve, by the way, for everyone that's not necessarily traveling right now, I think this could apply to careers and relationships, new moves, and much more than just people that are expats going into a new culture. But, but Jen mentioned this, so I decided to look up what the heck is the U-curve hypothesis, and I think it really clearly explained what I've been experiencing. So it's been nice to know I'm not alone in these feelings of disorientation and not really feeling like the US is necessarily a fit, but Europe isn't a cozy fit either. The U-curve hypothesis, which I Googled and found out is created by Norwegian sociologist Svra Lezegard. I've totally butchered that name, but the whole point of this is really this U-curve hypothesis. In your mind's eye, imagine a U. I'm going to explain the four stages of the U-curve hypothesis. Stage one is on the upper left part of the U, the very high point. That is the honeymoon stage. That is what I was feeling the first week of Lisbon and definitely in the first month of travel. Everything is amazing, everything is beautiful, everything is better, you're just so excited and happy to be experiencing all of these new things and cultures and everything is rosy. So I totally had that in my own life, but then I hit this last week, and I think this is something that we can all hit in our lives no matter where we are, the crisis mode, which is at the bottom of the U. So there's this kind of trough where there's this crisis. And I think that's kind of where I've been, though I haven't had any actual crisis by any means happen to me. There's this kind of crisis of identity, values, what's really important to me? What is the life I want to live? Where do I want to live? What will where I live determine in terms of relationships, in terms of career and so forth? And then after you go through this crisis of recognizing that there are differences that you're not used to, Then as you get out of that and you kind of move up onto the right side of the you, there is the recovery phase. And at the top of the you on the right side is the adaptation phase where you've actually adapted to your new environment. So I think Jen was totally dead on as she was listening to me describe on Instagram what I was feeling that I was just in the crisis. I was at the bottom of the you. And that's okay. Knowing that other people feel this way makes me feel way less alone. But I'll just say that it's been interesting. I think the honeymoon phase was a really nice phase (laughs) and I'm glad I had that phase. And that's not the end of it though, right? There's still more to this. And that's what's so cool about this is the fact that I get to share this with you guys real time. I didn't anticipate the bottom of the U because I didn't know about the U-curve hypothesis to begin with. But now maybe if you're traveling or going into something new, maybe you'll have this awareness that, oh, after you've gotten through this level of honeymoon phase, there may be a period where it kind of feels like it sucks or not only sucks, but just is confusing, is unclear, is disorienting. And as much as I do know my ego wants those answers and wants to jump ahead, Right now, the quote that my wonderful friend and the person who bought the house from me in Ann Arbor, she shared this quote with me, and I think that this is literally where I am actually at right now in this very moment, in this disorientation. The quote says, I would like to beg you, dear sir, as well as I can, to have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers, which cannot be given to you now, because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday far in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. This is by Raina Maria Rilke, and it is from A Letters to a Young Poet. This is really what I'm doing. I don't need to know halfway through my trip where I'm going to live, though it may be Lisbon. I don't need to be planning out my visas necessarily. I don't necessarily need to be looking into which flat I'm going to have and signing a lease or something crazy because it's not really going to even be an issue until October as it is. And I have so much more of this trip to explore and to connect with fully. And I don't need to be basing the next half of my trip on how I'm going to go back to Portugal or not move back to Portugal or move to the U.S. Really, I just need to keep sticking to adventure and flow, even when my ego is starting to say, hey, Jess, this crisis thing kind of sucks. Let's try to fill in the gaps. Let's try to fill in the voids. Let's try to remove the uncertainty. It was kind of fun for a while, but now you just want to know. And unlike all of that stuff I just said, which is what my ego has been telling me for the last few weeks, I don't need to search for the answers which cannot be given to me now because I would not be able to live them. I just need to live this adventure. I just need to go back to flow. I just need to go back and find the adventures that come from it. It reminds me of a story that I heard from Abraham Hicks. They talk about this idea of this river. So if you imagine this rapids, you know, in Colorado, for example, And you get in this van and they take you up to this one point. They put you in the river in your boat and you go down the river and then they take you out at another point further down the river. Well, Abraham Hicks was talking about how (laughs) this is kind of funny that people say in life that if everything they want is downriver in their lives, then they kind of want people, you know, if they want to manifest what they want in their lives immediately, they're kind of saying, hey, can we just like take the car? down and drive the car down to the exit point of the river and just get exactly what we want right now. So for me, that would be like, can I just figure out where I'm going to live in October right now? And what that essentially is doing is saying, I don't want to get in the rapids. I don't want to do the boat ride. I just want to skip the boat ride and get all the way down to the end of it. I want the answer now. I don't want to live the journey that will get to the answer. And the idea is that if you're actually going on a river raft, Don't you want a ride on the river? Isn't that the whole point of life is to live life, not to speed ahead to get to the answer as fast as possible. We got to live the questions and allow the answers to get filled in in time. So this is my little story as I am recognizing my ego's urges and disorientation and possible culture crisis mode. And I can say now I am here in Italy. I am on my second day here in Rome very briefly. I'll be moving in Italy much quicker than I did in Portugal. I'm not here for very long, but I can say that even just getting into this next phase and getting out of Lisbon and getting out of the place where I think I might end up, but maybe I still will, just getting back into the new adventure phase rather than to be kind of trying to settle down and get roots set in a new place that's not necessarily the right time has been good. So I'm starting to feel a little better. The crisis part of this I think is passing to some degree But who knows, maybe I'll end up back in the bottom of that U, and now I'll know that's okay. We can end up in the bottom of the U. It's just a part of the journey. It's just a part of the river. It's just a part of the rapids, and that's all okay. And we don't need to speed down in the car ride just to get to the bottom of the river. The idea of our lives is to actually go in the raft, down the rapids, and experience everything that life has to offer. And as we do, the answers will fill in everything will work out. It's all okay. And that's like, really, I'm just talking to myself right there. It's all okay. The answers will come. You're right where you need to be. You're doing a great job. (laughs) Hopefully for you too, if you're feeling this way, I just want you to know I am feeling you. It can be hard and it's okay to feel dizzy sometimes. It's okay to feel disoriented. It's okay to feel scared. And that doesn't mean you aren't loved. That doesn't mean you aren't cared for. That doesn't mean those answers won't come. They will have faith, find the flow, and go from that point into the adventure that is to follow. So there you have it, guys. That's my message for you today. Before I share where I'm going to be traveling to next, let's talk with Betabrand.com Think Tank Director Liz Rossoff about today's sponsor, Betabrand.com. Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: My name is Liz Rosoff. I am the director of the think tank at Beta Brand. I've been with the company for about four years, and before that, I was an exhibiting professional visual artist. That's
0: fantastic. How did you get involved with Beta
1: Brand? Well, I had known about the company for quite a while. Chris Linlin, the founder and CEO, and I have mutual friends. And I'd been keeping an eye on what was going on. And I'd just finished a really big art project, and I was ready to do some work with a creative team. I really just wanted to dip my toes into what it would be like to work in an office. So I asked him if I could start showing up, and he said yes. And about four months later, I was really taking on enough responsibility for him to give me a job.
0: <laughs> and how does Beta Brand
1: work? Beta Brand is a crowdsourced clothing company, which means we're open to producing ideas from anyone with a great concept behind the clothing garment. So that can be pe- anyone who wears clothes that has an idea about how they could function better, a situation where they would wear something that they can't find the just the perfect thing for, as well as designers who have a background and know how to get the product made, and also brands. We're also working with brands, helping them understand better what their customers want from them.
0: So when it comes to backing a project, how can people that are listening support a project? And also, how can those who are interested in saying, hey, I have an idea for a fashion item that I would like to have created, how can those people submit a project to get funded themselves?
1: Well, so all of our new products start in the think tank. So they all start as ideas. And that's where you can go and look through the clothes that you could be wearing in a few months. And you vote on them, you comment on them, you let the designer know what you like and what you don't like about it, how you would want to change something. And they listen to the audience. We glean a lot of information. By voting for it, you also become the first alerted to when that product actually becomes purchasable crowdfundable. So there's sort of two gates to filter the successful production of a new clothing product. The first is the think tank. People have got to be interested in the product. And then the second is the crowdfunding where people need to buy the product before we are able to make it.
0: Okay. So for those that have an idea, where do they go to submit their idea first?
1: They go to betabrand.com slash submissions. And they'll find the submission form, which is really self-explanatory. There's a lot of information there about what we need from you to get started. And then we work with you to craft the best presentation for the think tank. And then we let the world know what you're thinking about and offer them the opportunity to respond to it.
0: Yes. And from what I've learned about beta brand so far myself from working with you guys is that this is kind of like a Kickstarter for those that are trying to learn and get their head around what this is for fashion. But the difference is, unlike in Kickstarter, where you actually have to become the manufacturer of the product, you guys take that in stride in your in-house team, correct?
1: That's absolutely correct. So if someone hasn't been, doesn't have a history in manufacturing clothing, they can end up really getting themselves into quite a pickle if they're Kickstarter is successful. Uh, Only 9% of fashion products are successful on Kickstarter. Uh, We have a much higher rate through our think tank uh, to crowdfunding model. And also, as you said, we handle all of the sourcing, manufacturing, development, prototyping, grading, pattern making, as well as the production and fulfillment and customer service and marketing. So we take a lot off the shoulders of someone who's looking to get their idea into the world.
0: Yeah, so this is a great thing for anyone that wants to be a little bit passive with their income, if you will, and just come up with ideas and pitch them out to you guys and help you guys get awareness over the crowdfunding threshold if it gets to there, which is pretty low, actually. I was pretty surprised. It's only 75 to 100 units that need to get that kind of vote in order to move to market. So it's not like these are, you know, you have to have billions of units sold or
1: pre-sold in order to get going with this. Right. It's The entry is about 75 to 100 units sold during the crowdfunding month.
0: So for anyone who wants to check this out, or wants to become a supporter of some of the products that are already out there, go over to betabrand.com backslash lively and use the code lively at checkout to get 20% off of your purchase and free shipping. So like I said, go over to betabrand.com slash lively and enter the code lively at checkout to get 20% off of your order. Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much, Jess. All right, guys. So right now I am in Rome. I will be leaving on Friday for Cinque Terre, then going to Florence for a few days to see the David statue, which is truly the reason that I do the work I do to this day. So I'm so excited to be able to see him in person. The statue of David is something that has been definitely on my list of European things I must see. I don't have many sites that I had to quote unquote see when it comes to museums or artwork and that sort of thing. But the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona and the David statue are the two on my list that are the most personally important ones for me to check out. And I cannot wait to see the David statue. So until next week, guys, may something wonderful happen to you today.